Stephen Cluxton is on the pitch. He is togged out for Dublin. Are you sure he's not a mascot, Joe? I am 100% sure he's not a mascot. Stephen Cluxton is part of the Dublin panel today. I'm surprised as anyone, Joe. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. Uh, we haven't heard from you about the Ireland game yet, Colm. It's true, yeah, it's true. I've Considered very, thoughts. You very strong thoughts. On it. Sweep in yeah. at the end and um, decide, yeah, no, we were all wrong all week. <laughs> no, no, very strong thoughts. Um, I, I was kind of taken aback by Virgin Media's coverage, especially Damien Delaney and Brian Kerr, for the simple reason that, and I was even talking to Vinnie Perth about this yesterday, like uh, the idea, oh, well, we lost the game, like, you know, and it's absolutism at its finest. But, like, ultimately... It's a lot of championship players <clears throat> and one league, one player starting against a team where six of the 11 played in the World Cup final mm. a few months ago and another three who came on in the World Cup final against Argentina also started the game and also half the team are about to play in the Champions League quarterfinals with their yeah. clubs. And it's a lot of championship players and some of whom don't play that regularly even when they're playing at a higher level like Matt Doherty or Seamus Coleman who's coming back from injury. So in many ways it was an absolutely remarkable display and had Nathan Collins' header got in at the end we'd be talking about one of the better one-all draws that Ireland specialise in. Mm. And it was, it was a fine line, a fine margin. And I think um, I was surprised by really any sort of negativity outside of the result. And then you go back to it and you look at it objectively and six months or 12 months down the line, you'll be like, oh, that time we lost at home to France in the first Euro 2024 qualifier. Oh, that was a really poor start. And you look at Stephen Kenny's record, four wins in his 22 competitive games, the highlight being Scotland last summer. So when you look at it from a pure statistical point of view, it continues a very poor run of form from the manager. Mm. But then if you look at a performance, it was a really, really promising Irish display where we tried to play as much football as possible. Too much so that so much so that it actually cost us a goal at the end. But like, how could you not be positive about that display considering the opposition? It's the age old argument, isn't it? Performance versus result. Like, which do you prioritise? Of course we would have loved Daroche's header at the end to go in and get the draw, but like Collins. Or sorry, Collins. Was it Collins? Yeah. It was Collins, yeah, yeah of course. Um, so if that goes in, the dynamic, of course, is different. The conversation in the last two days is massively different. But like the performance, I think you have to ma- place massive weight on. I don't know what percentage you place on the performance, but uh, I certainly think it's a it's an important discussion because we, if we played like that against Greece and Gibraltar, there's no question we, we win all four of those games. We had the same number of shots at France. Ah. Oh. When you put like, do you know what I mean? It was yeah. just that we we just piled it all in at the end, the last ten minutes, mm. because we weren't. There was no threat really at the start, and that was the one thing you'd say. Like by half time, their keeper had nothing to do, mm. and so we contained them very well. And then, but then as the match went on, we we created chances. It was the same with France. Now they were slightly off, but they had that class about them too. That anytime they wanted, they could up the gears. I thought I thought we were going to get a hiding. I really <clears> did. I thought they were going to easily pick us off. Yeah, two or three nil. The, and, on uh, the balance of a positive thing. On the balance of experience and talent, we should have got a hiding, but we managed to create a situation where that didn't happen. And for that, you've got to give the team credit and you've got to give the management credit. This whole, like, oh, France were just off because they were just off. There was no, there's no reason they were off. It, it was like an independent thing, <laughs> almost like they chose to be off somehow, as opposed to Ireland inflicted some things on them. Uh, you know, we managed the space around Mbappe. When, when you listened to... Um, Philippe O'Claire yesterday uh, he was like well we've always struggled against a low block you guys put a low block you managed it very well you closed down our space and then afterwards uh, Deschamps analysed the game coldly and said we weren't as good as we could have been but that was largely in part because of the 
defensive qualities of the opposition. Mm. That was us. That was us he was talking about. He was, and it wasn't just a, like an attaboy. It was, uh, yeah, and, and the goalkeeper saved us, won three points for us at the end. You're like, okay, so... I, I, there's there is still a cohort of people who are completely unwilling to accept that anything good that Kenny does is is down to Stephen Kenny and the environment that he has created and the culture that he has created within the team. Now, in the absence of results, because all those hoary old cliches about football being results business is unfortunately true. In the absence of results, uh, n- people are are never going to believe this. They're they're never going to accept that what Kenny has done uh, in trying to be ambitious for our football culture uh, is is a thing worth doing, right? There's a lot of people who just don't think that's worth pursuing. They they would much rather watch uh, the, the turgid performances that we had under Mick McCarthy. Like, do you remember Mick McCarthy's game against Gibraltar? It'd be really interesting to see how we do oh. against Gibraltar. And, and look, we haven't been great under uh, Kenny against the, the bad teams, but at least when we're going 2-0 up, we're going 2-0 up and then we're conceding two stupid goals. Mm. So let's let's wait and see how we get on against Gibraltar. That'll be a, a proper... Has there been any progress made between... Do you remember? Oh, Matt's already played half a game and Seamus Coleman played at the same time and that never worked again, apparently. Well, yes. It was certainly the narrative around Kylian Mbappe, this idea that, oh yeah, he, he played badly but there's, there's, there's no credit given to Ireland or to Seamus Coleman maybe for... For keeping him quiet, but yeah, I think I think around this Irish team, that's generally the, the negative vibe. It's the it's the Irish way as well to nearly go. Oh well, they must have played badly. We came so close to the World Cup runners up, we can't have possibly played well. <laughs> we we expect an awful lot from our national football team, don't we? We do. I mean, we don't like if you look at it, it's just like as coldly as possible. Like, there's no way that Ireland should be doing anything really, considering the players they have against the opposition to come up against. Like, mm-hmm. So what you're really looking for is one of two things. You're looking for better football played because we never really played good football. Or you're looking for a good time. You're looking for the party at the national tournaments mm-hmm. or international tournaments. You're looking for that really in the year's moment. That's really all you can hope for because otherwise it's like, well, you, uh, why would we uh, get so uh, upset? Uh, hang on now, because if, if all you want is the reeling in the year's moment, uh-huh. then you can get a, an old school... Wimbledon 1980s style football going uh, y- your, your working theory that international football is very difficult to have a coherent product the only way to do that is to have like kick and rush push everybody up we could do that mm-hmm. if that's what we want and we could just get like all the big strikers we have yeah. come back Gary Doherty come back uh, Salmon of College you guys can play up front with, with two up front and drop all the good players and just Boot, bite, and bollock. Basically, be a rugby team. We can do that if if all you want is the moments. We can deliver those moments for you, no problem. Yeah, but in nineteen in nineteen eighty eight, nineteen ninety four, two thousand and two, we had a much better squad yeah. and players available than we do now. So it's very difficult to recreate those special moments at the big international tournaments, like we saw in Euro twenty twelve. Um, it, it was a disaster. Like in Euro twenty sixteen, we did quite well to beat what was the second string Italy side, but we beat them nonetheless. So failing all that. Wouldn't it be great to actually improve the team from bottom to top? And that's really what Stephen Kenny's trying to do. But what defines Kenny's era so far, there's two games in particular. Monday night's one of them. And then September 2021, away to Portugal, where we played absolutely brilliantly until the very end when Cristiano Ronaldo scored twice and Ireland lose the game 2-1. And if you look at him competitive record, I already mentioned the four wins in 22 competitive games. They've lost seven of the last 15 competitive games, but all by the odd goal. Mm. It's very actually Patrick Vieira Crystal Palace that we were talking about just before Vieira left was like Palace aren't getting hammered. So it's very difficult to be like what he has to go. And at the end of Giovanni Trapitoni and Martin O'Neill, there were hammerings. 
but there's been no hammerings under Kenny. Mm. So that's why we're in this kind of grey area. And I think Monday night sums it up. Played well, but lost. I know it's an age-old discussion and hypothetical, but can you imagine if we didn't have rugby and GAA? Can you imagine if soccer was our only outlet? Now, there's a parallel universe out there somewhere where it is the case, where we only have a good soccer team, we don't have rugby teams, or GAA doesn't get in the way. But I think... Like I actually had a chat with Jonathan Douglas yesterday and it came into my oh, head yeah. where I was like, do you know, he was a really good GA player but then chose soccer. But can you imagine all of these soccer players and the rugby players and GA players were choosing soccer? It's a hypothetical argument, but like, has there ever been a point where we have been the best rugby team in the world and we've had a really good soccer team at the same point, at the same point in time? We're, we're heading in that direction. Do you know, we are the best rugby team in the world at the moment. Um, and the, the team under Stephen Kenny is... It, Very good, without it, results. It was probably the early noughties in, in 2002, yeah. a great one at the World Cup, and then a year later we were competing with the Grand Slam in the Six Nations, so it was probably around then, but obviously this rugby team is, is long surpassed that. Yeah. Your point about if rugby GA wasn't played. <laughs> so I mentioned this in, the, in a debate about a year ago with a bunch of friends in a social setting. <laughs> and I suggested that if you can just imagine for a second that we didn't have so many sports in a country so small, i.e. if we didn't really play rugby, our GA wasn't a thing, and we just dedicated ourselves to football, we could potentially be a whole lot better at football. I mean, my argument was, do we have too many sports available so you can never actually do the 10,000 hours mastery enough yeah, across the nation because and, of too much there? Look at Croatia. And so your pub conversation stayed there and no one did any research or talked to any scientists about how actually being good That's at loads boring. of different sports... Yeah about how being good at loads of different sports makes you better at the one that you end up specialising in. Nobody, nobody bothered to read any books or, or Google. They have these, this is a mobile phone and it's connected to the internet and you can type some stuff into it and then all of the world's information is available to you. Oh, okay, that, no, that, that's good. Thanks for that. But there's, um, I would love to know, so you look at the good international sites, the great international teams across the world, Spain. right? Spain. Spain. What do they have? Like what, what do basketball, they have? maybe? Yeah. But like, England. What, it's, what are they playing? What else are they playing? It's playing more of a question well, than a statement. Like, rugby, rugby as well for France, but like, then again, we're, we're getting into the area of populations. Yeah, I think, uh, <clears throat> I think, I think we need to drain this back in again. So, <laughs> uh, if you look at New Zealand, for example, um, New Zealand have a, an institute of sport, and so therefore, when anybody is any good at rowing, they get, uh, at, at a certain point, you, you get turned into a rower but they're also amazing at cricket and they're also this is notwithstanding the clear thing that they're the best in the world at uh, over a long period of time so I, I mean actually we benefit from having people be good at loads of different sports we're just not very joined up or haven't traditionally been very joined up at uh, injecting speed into our younger athletes early on in their career at making sure that everybody's doing movement skills as opposed to just the, the things that uh, is um, good for one individual sport and also We've kind of been scared of coaching. We haven't injected coaching into our systems early by making it mandatory to have a full-time PE teacher in primary schools. Like, there's loads of different things that we could do that would completely transform our sporting landscape over the next 15 to 20 years that we're not really that interested in having conversations around. Yeah, okay, that's totally fair because I can think about myself growing up. When I was nine years old playing on the under-10 side, my local football team, we played 11 a side. Humble brag. Yeah. 11 a side, humble brag. I was, I was a child playing sport. Oh, you're 11, up, 11 aside yeah. in the big goals yeah. so what would happen is you get this overdeveloped young fella 
who is bigger than all the other kids and he's scoring like double hat-tricks every game because yeah. nobody else can physically keep up with him and all you have to do in big size goals when you're tiny is to shoot either side of the goalkeeper Chip it, yeah. that fella gets trials with Southampton and he's back after two days because like this guy can't play ball because we didn't get enough ball at our feet when we were younger and we were playing catch-up that, that, that uh, question about PE and, and the state of PE in Irish schools I know we've had the discussion with Orla Farmer not too long ago but like, I'm trying, what, what was your PE experience like in school? Because for me it was, and, and I can't speak highly enough of my school or my PE teachers, but it was generally, here's the ball, you lads who are good at sports, go in there and play five a side and just pick your own teams, I'm just going to stand over here, and you lads who are not interested in sport, go upstairs and maybe walk around and maybe play table tennis if you want, or just stand and talk, I don't care. And that's not a, a, that's not a, a downer on my teachers, again, or my school. It's more just that is the... That is the, the nature of PE in Irish schools. I think it's it's lazy. It is. But like th- 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 that's why so many people don't get into sport. It's like it's not seen, it's, it's seen as a competitive thing. You either play the five-a-side with, with the lads who are sporty, quote-unquote, and I went to an all-male school, or you, you're not into sport and you go over and stand in the corner, essentially. So it's, I don't know, it, it, maybe it was different for you lads, but that was my we played, experience. We had PE once a week. It was seen as a treat. Seen as a bit of a das, that was the attitude towards it by the school. Mm. We afterwards, it would never be the last class, so afterwards you'd have to change back into your uniform yeah. and resume class. Without a shower. Without a shower. And that was the way, and it was just seen as like go off there and run around for, and, and that was it. Mm. Like we, and sure, we, look, we had Michal Martin in here a, yeah. a couple of years ago with Joe, and you know, the, the, the like PE participation and the amount of PE that we have in this country for a sport obsessed nation. Is bizarre. Well, I I think that it needs to. I, they haven't followed through on the stuff that he said he would do. By the way, and we're we're absolutely going to go back to that um, over the the coming weeks and months. Uh, I, it, it'd be interesting to hear people's experience of that. Yeah. But I actually think that um, at the heart of it is it kind of a, a weird, like it's only volunteers who are the true spirit of coaches and well, we must be scared of professional coaches and coaching. I think that's part of our culture. And uh, I, you know, I think it goes back a little bit to in history to the uh, to the ban and all that kind of stuff. And I just would be interested in teasing that conversation out with somebody who knows a lot more about it than me. But that's my that's my work in theory, and somebody can uh, shoot it down, no problems, and inform me that I'm completely talking nonsense about it. But I do feel like if we were to inject higher quality coaching into all of our sports earlier on, that the outcomes would be much better. I think you, you can see. Uh, what the impact of good coaching is on on individuals at any stage in their lives. Like we're still seeing players get much better and better uh, in the full time environment of the Ireland rugby team. That players who look good at their provinces actually end up being much better international players, which traditionally doesn't happen. Yeah, you don't traditionally get better when you go into uh, an environment where the competition is higher. Um, a lot of people do respond to that, um, but. Like for for players' skill sets to be developed by the senior international team as opposed to just at their provinces is unusual, but it speaks to the quality of coaching, um, and I, I think that uh, that all kind of feeds into the whole thing. So, uh, to answer your point, I don't think we'd be any better if we had no other sports. Really, I think that there would just be more competition without without proper organisation, without a proper long term vision for what we were doing with these players, and we actually benefit from having GA background in rugby and uh, GA background in soccer in some aspects and we benefit from having soccer and rugby in our GEA players like that's clearly evident from some players finishing ability in uh, in Gaelic football we're going to talk Gaelic football in a few minutes with Tommy so 
just want to tell you about what's coming up between now and 10 o'clock uh, Tommy Rooney is going to join us at 8 o'clock for a look back on the weekend's Gaelic football and look forward to the league finals Keith Wood's going to talk to us at 8.25 about the state of the union at the moment we've got sports news at 8.45 with Cahill Milani after that we have uh, Derek McNamara in studio looking back on the Six Nations Sarah Dunham is going to talk to us about the uh, league finals and where we stand and what we've learned so far from the league heading into the championship which is nearly upon us uh, nearly April and uh, football show some look back is that Vinny and um, Gav Cooney yep. for half nine yeah okay so I didn't necessarily agree with everything the lads were saying by the way but um, uh, you pay your money it takes a choice from half nine on Vinny really, I'm not going to uh, ruin the segment for anyone who's about to listen to it but it was interesting his opinion on, on Jason Knight and how he was the odd one out on the team the other day and right. how he didn't quite suit that left side which is why the attacking threat on that side wasn't as uh, prevalent as it was on the other. It was just interesting because otherwise Ireland played so well. Sorry, the way we got to that conversation about education and all that and PE in school and sport of young people, for me, actually makes it all the more impressive what Stephen Kenny's doing with this Irish side mm. because it is, it's the best footpotting side that we have literally in the country. Like, there are no other options because League of Ireland, the standard goes way down and that's the best we have from what he's done with the players available to him. But there's still so much further to go. Uh, like I was looking here in the comments, Noel Cahill, I coach under 11 and fundamental movement and speed skills always part of my session. Speed is a skill and can be improved. I agree with that. I think that like we should be we should be obsessed with making all of our sports faster and teaching people how to run and teaching people how to sprint over short distances because it would improve literally everything. All of our sports would get better by having people be faster and by having some athletics training in schools for everybody would be my first injection of that it's funny I, I did a lot of cross country like I was a reasonably good 800 metre runner when I was younger and like but at a sprinting level even in school we, you're just taken out onto the track and you're told run run that distance you're never actually taught how you can make yourself faster like I was never sat down and said you're pretty. You're a pretty fast runner, but you could be faster if you did this and that. I, I was never told Funny. any of those things. I was, it was just like go out, go out and run. Oh, you're pretty quick. Go out and run. Well, like, I could have been so much better, but so many people could have been so much better. Yeah, well, I, I think like uh, this goes back to my bit about um, we we haven't invested in the, the two things, right? We, we've always been absolutely uh, fascinated slash obsessed with uh, stadiums and facilities and. Um, I remember 20 years ago the ESRI did a report about actually the facilities in Ireland aren't that bad it's the, the, there's a dearth of coaching we spend money on facilities because everybody has a row if if uh, Rovers get some funding from the government then the local GEA club has to get uh, funding and they, they build separate facilities which doesn't really make that much sense instead of putting it all into one state of the art gleaming facility but instead of just investing all the money in facilities we end up a- ignoring the coaching aspect of it and so was it were they volunteers who were actually probably not qualified to tell you exactly how to get mm. better? And yeah. things are definitely improving, and largely off the back of individuals who are curious and who are now because of the internet able to find out exactly how do I make my kids run faster when I'm training them over uh, 100 meters, 200 meters, 800 meters, and the quality of coaching has, has vastly improved. But it's not because it has been a massive government investment in it. Oh. Well, you, yeah, so you, you're right. I, like, I remember 20 years ago, the high to get to Tiger, the Bertie Bowl, and how much you put into that. And that, that goes to show, because we wanted to showcase to the world what we could do, which just kind of goes back to the whole inferiority complex of the Irish mentality that we have to show that we're actually doing really well and everything's good. Yeah. But like, I just can't stop thinking about the way we were taught football growing up and like reading Noel's comment there. It's encouraging to see that that's what it's like now. I remember our coaches, when we were really young, being obsessed with results. Really? Obsessed, 
and I do find now oh, looking at look, look, yeah, looking at it as an adult that it was just to brag to fellow adults that yeah. the team I'm coaching is doing really well. And like player development was not a thing. Like if you weren't playing well, you were out of the team. There'd be obviously no explanation. And like you said with your running, it, there wasn't any like, look, if you could just fine tune this, if you could do that a bit more. I've noticed that when you cut it in your right, you're actually closing the space in yourself. Why don't you go out on the left? It was none of that. It was like four four two. this is the team. If you're not playing well, you're getting hauled off. And there's no development. I it's natural talent or else you don't have it. I almost feel like it's geographical. Like certain areas have a certain sport. Like there's people in the comments talking about playing uh, hockey with plastic sticks when they, were, when they were younger. We all probably did that in the indoor halls. But like there are, cert- there are certain schools, many of which are in South Dublin, that are hockey schools. And a lot of the, the girls in that really successful Irish women's hockey team probably came from a certain number of schools. Whereas in Monaghan, it was Gaelic football. So if you play Gaelic football, those skills were honed. But if you if you were you know a runner or a soccer player maybe to a lesser extent in Monaghan it was it wasn't focused on but different counties have different priorities I guess when it comes to sports. But so where the skills were to to Colin's point were the skills honed or were you just trying to win? The Gaelic, Gaelic football skills were honed. Okay, but were you not just trying to win the local under ten, under twelve, under fourteen competition? And yeah, so, it was. That's, that's not the honing of the skills really. Like if you the Arthur Arthur's book about Limerick hurling has a brilliant thing about the academy where. There's a meeting of all the underage teams and I think it might be the senior manager and uh, a question is asked, basically. The spirit of the question is like, uh, whose job is it to win here? And everybody puts up their hands and whoever's given the seminar is like, that's not right. Mm. That's not correct. Your jobs are to produce players for this team. And that's it. We don't want you to win. We want you to produce players. And this is a kind of transformational moment where they're like, and so then the, the production line starts to get better as opposed to we're cutting, your, we're cutting your throat to win this under 10, under 12, under 14 championship. And so I would argue that actually while there was a focus on the sports, maybe maybe they're the greatest coaches of all time, Shane, and I'm, I'm doing a disservice to the people. But what you're talking about is hothousing a, sing, a single individual sport as opposed to the actual nuances of, yeah. to Colin's point about the coaching. I, I think that's the, the fundamentals and it, it, goes, it, it feeds down into every sport. The, the counties or the clubs that are doing this properly end up having the best talent pipelines in Gaelic football and hurling and uh, in, in soccer. It's going to be very interesting to see how that evolution happens. There was a massive reorganisation. The, um, the, uh, putting the, the clubs, the League of Ireland clubs and tying them to academies is beginning to bear fruit. You can actually see that. And I, I think, to your point, column about um, everybody's trying to win, it's because there's leagues. There's like a, there's leagues very early on. And so there's a league table which tells everybody at the end. And again, most of those leagues are just about having crack. But there are some players who could actually end up playing for a representative side or an academy, a League of Ireland team. And um, hopefully when they get there, they're not actually desperately trying to win every game. They're desperately trying to make the players better. I don't remember the games being fun growing up. The fun I had playing football was with my friends in the local park <laughs> when we were just able to play and replicate what we were watching on TV or try to and, and like pretend to be the players that you're watching on TV. My recollection of, of playing organised football when I was younger was you trained maybe once, twice a week. You did a few fitness drills, so a lot of running <laughs> with no ball at your feet. No enjoyment there. And then you'd play a game at the, at the last 15 or 20 minutes of the training session, which would be an hour, and it would be two-touch. And two touch was the big thing. Well, the coach never said you quite just go out and enjoy yourself. N- n- never. It was like, but I understand that too because like you want to develop the player, but the problem was there was no development of the individual players, and it was like trying to get this cohesive unit. 
out there to play. And it was two two touch was the biggest like revolutionary thing that we did as coaching. And then last last five minutes all in lads. It's and sorry. everybody starts getting excited. It, it is obviously like old. Your your stories are are old. Things have changed. I'm wondering. <laughs> I'm, but I'm wondering. Yeah, exactly. Have and I'm wondering have they? Things have I'm changed. I'm wondering well, have they? Well, they have, the, they have the Dilly Mile in schools. I know we spoke to Frank Greedy about this as well. That's and that's an enjoyment based thing. Like how many people even anecdotally do you know that do the park runs? Like park runs have sprung up exponentially. Like I know so many people my age and older and younger. You did the park run. I think to your point, Colin, things have changed vastly in that uh, most uh, most sports now use small sided games, and so therefore touching the ball is more more uh, regular. I think you'll also find if you were to go that the number of balls that uh, teams have has transformed from the time when you were a kid. I suspect I might have one or two balls in training. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like it was. It was precious. Like yeah. Now, now there are big bags of uh, cheap hand-stitched balls coming from um, well, abroad that uh, that most clubs have. And so the other thing is that again, the enjoyment thing is definitely in in all of the sports that my kids do. Everybody's like, we want you to enjoy yourselves as opposed to uh, see. It's come a long way. Throats. It has. Yeah. yeah. No rugby. So rugby has touch rugby and tag rugby for kids who are maybe not physical enough or don't enjoy proper rugby. But like I don't know if, if soccer or GA have toned down slash watered down versions of the sports to make them enjoyable for for kids who are maybe not athletic or or not as into the sport. So I think that's something we could maybe we could maybe look at making GA and making soccer more enjoyable for kids that that maybe haven't the same athleticism as other kids in schools. Yeah. Well, there's other examples. Damien Hanley there in the comments, teaching in Australia for 15 years, students learn about sports psychology, do video analysis of their mechanics in sports movements and provide improvement plans, all as part of assessment items. I mean, that sounds a world away of what we're doing in Ireland. But it, like, it should also be stated here, and Kathleen McNamee's thrown into our um, chat here, the reaction to sport in general in most girls' school, told to concentrate on studies because, quote, that's more important. And I've definitely heard that as well. Concentrating studies. Yeah, like, and like, my wife would say the same. Like, we had a big conversation about sport and how her nieces are very active now and they play Gaelic football in Sligo. Mm. And they're always playing matches, like, all the time. Just with them at the weekend, they have three matches each this week. Her own experience, again, as Ger saying, this is quite old, so this, you know, we're going back 20 years, is um, I'll let the boys play. Yeah. Don't play sport because you know, it's not the best look and instead focus on school because that's really where you're going to end up. So whatever about my complaints about like I wasn't, you know, my, my skills or lack thereof weren't fine-tuned and therefore we were never going to make it, at least we were able to play like. And again, thankfully, that's come on a lot. The issue is is, is what you said earlier, PE was an hour a week. Like, it's ridiculous. Uh, Ireland have featured what, at the bottom of so many schools, or certainly in Europe, in terms of hours per week done spent <laughs> playing PE or, or actively getting kids out in school. So that's that's the issue. We're a weird country. We are a weird country. We're, we're weird. We are a weird country. We have single sex schools, and that is absolute nonsense. Yeah. It's completely anachronistic. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. And you can see in uh, mixed schools where if the girls aren't getting sing- equal access to sport, it, it becomes an issue. And then the girls stand up and they fix it because that's, that's how this. That's how this happens. OCB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now.